0: So Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. That day when evening came, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, "'What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God?' In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat,
1: If I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around against you, his disciples answered, And yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with them and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Well, it's great to be with you this morning. Yes, my name is Dan Evers, and uh, it's a joy to be with you. I typically go with my family to the 4 p.m. service, and so it's, <clears throat> it's nice to be here this morning with you. How good is Jesus, hey? He is an amazing Savior. Uh, it's been nice over the last few weeks to, to meet him afresh and to see how these encounters uh, turn people's lives around, transform people's lives around so dramatically. and. Today we're going to focus on one particular uh, man and his life that is transformed. He is set free in a remarkable way. The story itself uh, of this demon possession uh, really isn't about the demon possession, but it's about Jesus. And so my hope and my prayer is that you'll encounter him in a brand new way. You might be very familiar with this part of the Bible, but I believe that uh, the Lord is going to speak to us and he does speak to us through his word, by his spirit, uh, in a fresh way this morning. Well, I'm not sure where uh, you're at in life, uh, whether whether you feel like life is out of control, whether you feel like uh, there is just a huge amount of chaos or uh, you feel overwhelmed with worry or anxiety, or whether you feel like life is falling apart or is altogether. But I believe that uh, this morning, uh, this passage has a message for all of us. Uh, There's three simple points uh, which I'll be referring to and where we're going. That Jesus himself is a saviour for the shattered. That Jesus is a fortress for the fearful, and that Jesus is calm in the chaos. Saviour for the shattered, a fortress for the fearful, and calm in the chaos. Jesus himself rebuilds, restores, and redeems broken and shattered lives. It was great to hear about that story of Loretta this morning on the, on the video there, uh, hearing of restoration in her life. And as you've already heard a little bit of, I get the joy of seeing broken lives brought back to, to a restoration through the gospel of jesus with that in mind let's pray and let's come before him asking that he would indeed speak to us this morning heavenly father we thank you for the remarkable the beautiful the incredible uh savior jesus that we meet in your scriptures uh, we pray this morning you would just quieten our busy minds uh you'd open our cluttered hearts That we might hear afresh what you, by your spirit, want to speak to us uh, this morning. And we pray that uh, we would leave this morning not remembering uh, the people here, but we would be uh, having Jesus resound and resonate in our thoughts and minds, and that we might honour and glorify him as a response. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this week I heard about a Ukrainian soldier and he was injured in the line of battle. Uh, This man was in the front line of battle, and a 28-year-old man who uh, received an uh, an injury, some shrapnel went into his chest, and uh, he was still alive, uh, rushed off to surgery, was x-rayed, and remarkably, incredibly, they discovered that uh, this piece of shrapnel was indeed a grenade uh, sitting just below his heart, a non detonated uh, a live grenade. Can you imagine that? (laughs) Uh, I don't know whether he was alert at the time, but imagine those who did this x-ray discovering there was a live grenade in his chest. Well, there we go. Um, Just to wake you up. Remarkably, there was a very gifted surgeon and Uh, This man was out without hope unless uh, there was someone with the gifting and the capacity to save his life. Uh, He was rushed into the operating theatre, and they discovered, though, that they could not use the electrocoagulation that they would use. I know nothing really about medical procedures, particularly this type of surgery, but it was extremely risky because he was at the risk of losing... uh, extreme amounts of blood in this type of surgery, let alone uh, the uh, precarious nature of this grenade detonating and the lives of the surgeon and those in the operating theatre being lost. Well, with these uh, military engineers and military surgeons, uh, they gently and very cautiously and skillfully removed this grenade. There it is in the surgeon's hand, um, disarmed, And here this man's life was rescued. Incredible, incredible story of saving his life. But the reason I tell you this, not just because it's an incredible story, is that I believe it really helpfully parallels where we're going this morning. Uh, Extreme helplessness, a dependence on someone else to do the rescuing. We come across a man whose life is completely shattered and without hope extremely helpless and there is only one who can rescue this man and that is our saviour Jesus let's have a look in Mark chapter 5 now it would be really helpful if you've got that open there in your Bibles I don't mind if your heads are down and I don't see your eyes if you are in the word of God you can examine what I have to say make sure that I'm telling you the truth and I hope that you can actually uh, see with fresh eyes what the word of God has to say here Jesus, he crosses the lake. And when he gets out of the boat, in verse 2, a man with an impure spirit, he comes running from the tombs to meet him. And we're told that this man lived in the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he'd been often chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out, and cut himself in desperation. This is the story of horror. This is the scene of of, of a horror movie, really. This is dramatic and uh, terrifying. But Jesus is calm. This man runs to him. And uh, we we discover that this is a man that is well known for terrorizing this region. He's living here in the tombs. Uh, It's uh, one of great, well, his his, um, distress Uh, He's cutting himself and crying out in the hills. In my workplace, I do hear a lot of men crying out, screaming out, yelling out uh, abuse and various, uh, you know, there's uh, horrific noise that I hear. And men who desperately are um, harming themselves because they're in a desperate state. But this man here uh, is not simply uh, a man that is, um, well, is, is, we see here that he's dehumanized uh, by these demons, but he is a human uh, like anyone else. It's likely, and this is where I'd like us to just stop and pause upon for a moment, it's likely that uh, he is uh, the son of somebody. He is the, the father of somebody. It's likely he's a spouse, a loved uh, man by his friends. But He is now tormented. And we don't know how he got to this circumstance of being possessed by these demons. But he is a man who is in a desperate state of torment. And notice the language that's used here. So take a look at it. There's there's these absolutes that are being used. And see if we can see it on the screen. Uh, The language here is one of uh, no one being able to help him. Verse 3. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. At the end of verse 4, no one was strong enough to subdue him. Here, he's in a desperate state. Who can help him? He is hopeless. But he encounters the one who can, the Saviour, Jesus Now, friends, he's not the only one in this block of stories who's in a helpless state, is he? Uh, We helpfully saw, well, the gospel writer Mark, he beautifully pieces this together. And uh, we see that uh, the next encounter that Jesus has, well, he encounters uh, Jairus, uh, who's the synagogue leader, whose daughter is gravely ill. Verse 23, uh, he pleads earnestly with Jesus, my daughter is dying. Uh, He's in a desperate, helpless state. And then we see him uh, meet this woman who has been suffering for 12 years. Verse 26, suffering a great deal under the the care of many doctors. Instead of getting better, she gets worse. Helpless people in desperate states who need a saviour. And Jesus is the saviour for the shattered. What a remarkable saviour he is who sets this man free. We'll hear more as the story goes on. But let's just pause for a moment and think uh, what this might parallel. See, friends, the gospel message uh, states for us that we are all in a helpless, hopeless state. Our sin has separated us from God. And without a saviour, without Jesus, uh, we are left spiritually dead. It's a greater predicament than than having a grenade in your chest. It's a greater predicament uh, than being bleeding for 12 years or demon-possessed or having a child that's dying. Here is spiritual death, Ephesians chapter 2. It says that we are lost in this dead spiritual state. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his love, saves us by grace and enables us to be spiritually resurrected. What a great message this is, isn't it? For a moment, I want you just to reflect upon your own self. Uh, I I meet these prisoners who plead with me. Uh, It's it's interesting how those who have become Christians will say, please go and tell those on the outside that they don't need to come to prison before they realise that they need a saviour. That's you and that's me. They are at rock bottom and thankfully, by God's grace, I can point them to their saviour, Jesus. But friends, we too are lost without a saviour. The writer and uh, preacher, Paul Tripp, says, There is only one hope for you. It is that someone with power, wisdom and mercy will invade your life, forgive your sins and progressively deliver you from the hold that sin has on you. And that mercy comes to you in the form of a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, as we heard from Loretta this morning, as we're reminded here, the one who can bring true wholeness and healing to shattered lives is Jesus himself. And I wanna ask you, have you yet turned to him? Do you recognize your helpless state for you and I are paralleled in this story. Without him, we are lost. If you haven't yet done so, uh, don't hesitate to do it, not for a moment. For he is the saviour of the shattered. Well, that's the first point. The next point is that Jesus is the fortress for the fearful. I'm not sure if you recognise it, but this, this story and these stories themselves are filled with fear and terror. Uh, There's all sorts of fearful language that's used. But let's see where Jesus goes. Verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said, come out of this man, you in pure spirit. Then Jesus asks him to identify himself and he says, my name is Legion. And at this, the demon begs Jesus, verse 10, again and again, not to send him out of the area. Now, a large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. And again, the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. So what does Jesus do? Well, he gave them permission to go into the herd of pigs. Now, let's not get distracted by uh, the the mystery of of how pigs are possessed by demons or or be sidetracked by this. Let's look at Jesus. For all he does is give permission. He doesn't have to do anything else. Here, Jesus is a man of great authority. In fact, the demons recognize who he is, don't they? Did you pick that up in uh, verse 7? They recognize him as son of the most high God. They see that he is God in human flesh. And now, who's the ones, who are the ones that are trembling? It's the demons. They beg again and again, please don't torture us. They know that their demise is coming at the authority of Jesus. Well, Jesus grants them this permission. He doesn't have to do any exorcism ceremony. He doesn't have to do any incantation or or anything. He just simply grants permission. Well, let's keep that in our minds as we go even further. So what happens? Well, then those, verse 14, uh, those tending the pigs, they ran off after the pigs had been drowned and reported this to the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. Well, when they came to Jesus... They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. Three things here, and three key things. They see him sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. Things that he previously wasn't wasn't doing. Um, He was frantically running around, wasn't he? Screaming and yelling and cutting himself. Now he's sitting peacefully. He's now dressed. Luke's gospel describes him as being naked, someone running around without clothes. But now he's dressed and now he's in his right mind. There is not a hint of insanity or demon possession. These townsfolk knew this man and they see the transformation there in front of them. So when they see the man sitting there dressed and in his right mind, they rejoice and then they, when when they uh, see this, they plead with Jesus uh, to stay in their region and continue to do lots of wonderful miracles. Is that what happens? No. When they see this man in this state, they were what? They were afraid. They're filled with terror. And they ask him. Well, they plead. There's more begging going on here. They plead with him to leave their region. Now here, these people recognize again the authority of Jesus. It could be that they're thinking, well, having someone this powerful amongst us, that's going to mean oh, all sorts of change in our lives. or We might lose lots of money. More pigs are going to drown. Um, let's get him out of here. But I think there's something more significant going on here. They see that this man is the only one who has this type of power. And like the disciples who have already asked the question who is this Uh, they are they're trembling in verse 41 of chapter 4 where the disciples see Jesus calm the wind and the waves instead of rejoicing and breathing a sigh of relief what's their response they are what they're terrified verse 41 they're terrified who is this man who even the wind and the waves obey Jesus here is someone of great authority. Now, often we see Jesus as this this meek and mild, lovey-dovey guy in paintings or pictures or children's Bibles. But here we get a different picture, don't we? Here is someone who strikes fear into the hearts of these townsfolk. But their response is not the model response, is it? There's another response, in fact, that's meant to be our response. at seeing the authority of Jesus. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, what does he do? Well, he begs to go with Jesus. Now, some commentators have thought that this is a response of devotion or or just an eagerness to um, be uh, with some heroic figure like uh, like Jesus, who's got this, this power, but I think it's far more than that. See, the language we've been encountering is this, this fear that is prevalent, fear everywhere. The, the disciples are afraid, the demons are afraid, uh, the townsfolk are afraid. We see in the story the, the bleeding woman is afraid and Jairus is afraid. But Jesus is a fortress of refuge in times of fear, this now restored and healed man he gravitates to Jesus he wants to be with Jesus who is his fortress wonder what's going on in your life there's many things we can worry about isn't there Uh, there's many things that we can be anxious about all of us have some level of fear or anxiety to some degree but the message this morning is Jesus is someone that we didn't, don't need to run from, but run to. Yes, he is powerful, but he is good and kind and merciful. I love the illustration in the, the Narnia series, the C.S. Lewis series, and, and the Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe. Some of you might be familiar with this statement uh, that Jesus, sorry, Aslan in the story, he is not a tame lion. Lucy is talking with the beaver uh, in the Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe, and uh, she discovers that Aslan is actually not a human, but a lion. And she questions the beaver, "Is he safe?" Uh, he, he's a lion." And the beaver responds with, "No. Safe. He's not safe, but he is good, and he is king." Here there's this uh, helpful understanding that C.S Lewis has that Jesus has supreme authority. But he is good and he is king. See, this man who is now restored has received mercy and kindness. Verse 19, keep following with me. Uh, Jesus did not let him go uh, with him. But he says, go to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much mercy he has had on you. Here, Jesus, even the Son of God with power over demons, power over sickness, power over uh, death itself and the wind and the waves shows tender mercy. And I love the language there. We don't have time to spend uh, with, uh, in, the, in it this morning, but the language of, of, uh, of daughter that he says to this woman, he just sees her as uh, a tender, as tender response, go in peace. You are freed from your suffering and this little girl, he has such tenderness with her and yet he has such supreme power. Friends, I want to assure you this morning, no matter what the fear might be in your life, it mightn't be today or down the track, Jesus is a fortress for the fearful. I often struggle with anxiety myself. Uh, it's been a, a constant struggle for me over the years. And I've been comforted by the fact that we can cast our cares, our anxieties, our fears upon the Lord Jesus. Psalm 55 22 says, Cast your cares upon the Lord, for he will sustain you. And then 1 Peter chapter 5, it built, Peter builds on this Cast your cares upon the Lord, which I think he understands as Jesus, for he cares for you. He is a fortress in times of fear, and he cares tenderly and mercifully for us. Well, if you've been shown mercy, if you're aware of this, then what is the model response as a result? Well, this man, he's told to do what? He's told to go home, go to your family, go to your town, and tell them how the Lord has been merciful to you. And knowing that Jesus is someone to be obeyed, uh, that's indeed what he does. Have a look at verse 20. Well, he actually does more. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Not only did he go to his own town or his own family, but he went to the ten cities. Deca being ten, polis, city, the whole Decapolis, he went out telling about the mercy of Jesus. And friends, again, this is a model response. I believe that uh, if you know of the mercy of Jesus, that he has restored a shattered life, that he has been merciful to you, then we are to go and tell. I shared before that I studied uh, at the ANU. I studied an Asian Studies degree. And at university was a time where the Lord really placed on my heart uh, the need to go and tell the lost. We ended up serving uh, in Hong Kong for uh, a number of years. But at that point at university, I don't think I had understood grace. A God who would be kind unconditionally, showing unconditional favour to a sinner like me. I realized my life was a mess because of my sinfulness, spiritually shattered, and yet he showed mercy to me. And so as I, come, I came to the understanding that he'd been loving me though I was a sinner, my response was to be that of telling of the mercy of Jesus. And God gave me a heart to do that uh, in Asia. Now he's asking me to do it here. But it's not just the professional Bible teachers or evangelists that are to tell this story, are they? Each one of us that know the mercy of Jesus are called to have this response. It was beautiful and wonderful to have uh, those uh, people who were baptised and confirmed last year sharing their testimonies, their stories. How powerful was that? How good is Jesus in changing their lives? But you and I are all to have this response. Friends, Jesus is the saviour for the shattered, He is a fortress for the fearful. And finally, my third point is that he is the calm in the chaos. Did you notice how Jesus responds in these circumstances? In all of these stories, these four stories, do you notice his demeanor? Uh, and in contrast to the atmosphere and the environment that he steps into, I mean, this demon possessed man is running to him, screaming at him. He doesn't seem to flinch, does he? Uh, he's sleeping in a storm. Um, he's amidst a crowd of, of people that are pushing in on him and he's calm and tender. He, he arrives at Jairus' home and there's a commotion, we're told. People are crying and wailing loudly. And in the story of the demon-possessed man, did you notice how much running is going on? Have, have another look at it. Um, there's the running of the demon-possessed man who runs to him. 2,000 pigs run over a hillside. And then the, the uh, herdsman then tending the pigs, they run back to the township. But Jesus is calm. And how much begging and pleading and crying and screaming is going on here? And yet Jesus is calm. He's controlled. And friends, as we come afresh to see Jesus, this is a great comfort, isn't it? That Jesus is the calm in our chaos. Now, your life mightn't have demon-possessed men running around naked, cutting themselves and screaming. But many of us feel like life is very chaotic. I was talking with a family member this week who was just overwhelmed by the new year starting with the uh, amount of activity and things and demands in their life. They felt utterly overwhelmed. But Jesus says, come to me, doesn't he? One of my very favourite verses is Matthew 2. Chapter eleven and verse twenty-eight to thirty, where Jesus makes this tender appeal. He says, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest." What a beautiful words! Hey, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How good is Jesus! And we heard in that video how Loretta, she loves that verse where uh, the good shepherd leads her beside still waters. How are you going? Is there chaos in your life? It might be chaotic parenting or you've gone back to work and work is just your email inbox is out of control. Uh, You might have all sorts of stresses with finances, with relationships. You might have started a brand new job. But here is an appeal To come to Jesus. Now, we might not be removed from the chaos, right? We might not have uh, some sort of paradise of calm and serenity that we, we end up in. But notice in this verse what type of rest we have. You see it there on the screen? Come to Jesus, and He will give you rest for what? Rest for your souls. This is the greatest rest we need, the greatest freedom we need from all sorts of chaotic and fearful activity in our lives. Spiritual rest, eternal rest. And how does this come about? Well, it comes about by the the sacrificial and atoning work of our Saviour Jesus, who didn't simply liberate people here in these stories, in their physical circumstances, but liberates them spiritually by dying on the cross and that's you and me, giving himself so that we could now be put right with him and find rest for your souls. How good is that? Friends, I hope that you can find comfort in this, you can find assurance in this, as we see the authority of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus, the calm of Jesus, that he is the one that brings salvation for shattered lives he brings a fortress of refuge for the fearful and he brings calm in the chaos of sin death sickness and spiritual torment friends this is the peace that only jesus can offer us will you come to jesus please don't delay for he is the savior you need he is the fortress when we are afraid, and he is the calm in our chaos. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for our Saviour, Jesus. Thank you for who we see in the pages of scripture today. Lord, each and every one of us need this Saviour. I pray that we would not delay Thank you that we can come to you, those of us that are overwhelmed, those of us that are weary and heavy laden, those of us whose lives uh, have all sorts of chaos in them, and you give us rest for our souls. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.